0: Hey y'all, welcome to Water Break with Waterboy. Yes, it's Thursday afternoon already. It's been quite the week. Uh, Good to be with you guys on Thursday afternoon. Uh, For those who are tuning in audibly, I'm going to have some slides here. I got some things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about um, the economy and particularly the housing market. Uh, I think there's a number of things that are going on there that are not being discussed and I think connect to how we as Christians need to be thinking about actually this current economy and some crazy things that are going on in in, uh, in our economy. Uh, if you guys did not see Joe Biden's press conference today, um, basically he's mandating um, uh, all federal employees to get the vaccine um, and federal contractors and um, uh, um, all the... all the federal, basically connections to all the federal uh, employees or contractors to get uh, the vaccine. I mean, it's pretty insane. We're going to talk about that and more on our Sunday special. We actually got Dr. J. Bahadacharya coming on the Sunday special. Excited to have him. uh, I feel like we're in deja vu all over again with the coronavirus. Um, Our local high school district just is requiring masking for at least the first three weeks of the school year. Uh, and with no data analysis, no data behind it, um, just based off the CDC rec- rec- recommend, uh, recommendations. Um, so, uh, first before I, I i get into to the the meat of the show um make sure you guys uh go to uh, sign up for our conference go to fightlifefeast.com uh to sign up for our conferences just click on events politics of sex it's september 9th through 11th i know you've heard us talk about this before this is a family friendly conference we've had people ask about that uh, and you know oftentimes christians are thinking about this issue just from kind of uh, the marital side of it but the issue is much bigger than that. Um, you know who you are as a man, who you are as a woman, who we are as a family. Uh, the politics of sex transcends um, uh, the bedroom, and so uh, this is a very this is a family friendly uh, conference. You might have some things to explain to your kids, but it's going to be a good family friendly conference there. And we want these issues to be discussed within within the house of God, within within your own family. Uh, and so we're very excited about those topics. Uh, Pastor uh, Wilson is going to be talking about gay pulpits. Fodi Bacham is going to be talking about critical sex theory. Doug Tenapel, David Bonson, Pastor Toby on the Molotov family. Uh, so we're really looking forward to see you guys there. And of course we kick off all our conferences with Baron Psalms on Thursday night. Good time uh, of singing and praising God together and learning uh, how to sing some some psalms. And it's a, it's a lot, of, lot of fun. They'll be treats there for the kids and so forth. Um Dime Payments, we've talked with you about Dime Payments before. Dime Payments is a newer corporate sponsor of ours. We're really excited about our relationship with them. Um let me actually uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I got to get you the website. I don't have the website here. Uh but Dime Payments is a Christian processing company. Every company has to have a processing payment system. So you, you uh, I would really recommend you guys working with dime payments because they're a Christian company. They aren't going to cancel you. I've mentioned this before. Trump, uh, Stripe has, tri- has uh, canceled Trump. Uh, Melchimp has canceled Babylon B. Our friends over at Gab have been canceled out of like four or five, six different banks in the last six months to a year. Uh, you know, cancel culture is real. And Dime Payments will not cancel your processing payment system. So go to dimepayments.com forward slash FLF. That's fight laugh fees forward slash FLF. And if you can't find that URL, just go to Dime Payments and say cross politics send us because you supporting them, uh, they support us. So you supporting them, they support us. And we're actually in the process of moving all our, uh, transactions and processing through Dime Payments. And, And they've been, they've been great, fantastic. Eric over there has been fantastic to work with. So. Um, the housing market what why uh what is going on uh we uh why are housing prices uh skyrocketing why is inventory where it's at and why does it matter to your family to your house and what's going on right now in the current economy and in the church um i you know one of the things that i want to happen here in Lataw County is I want my kids in my own hometown, I want my kids to be able to buy a house in 20 years, 40 years, whatever it is. I want my kids to be able to afford housing in my local area. But what has happened this last year I think has really um, made me start to think about, okay, how do I – Pave the way for my children to be able to buy a house here in twenty years, twenty five years. Um, how do I create space for for my kids to be able to thrive and come into a house at affordable rate? I mean, it's just insane what the housing market's going doing right now. So, what's going on? Um, uh, I think one of the easiest ways there's there's about five things I got here for you, about five points I got here for you. But one of the easiest ways to explain what's going on in the housing market right now is inventory for sales. Uh, inventory for home sales in January was, um, uh, and this is January, 2021 fell nearly 26% compared with January, 2020. So sales are, are down, but costs are up. That's a weird, um, uh, it's not, it's not actually not a weird um, phenomenon, but there, but there's something going on that is weird under that. And this is according to the national association of realtors. So sales fell nearly 26% in January. Um, And, And we're actually short about 3 million homes on the market. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of homes that need to be caught up on, uh, here in Moscow. I think just last month, I think we had in June, we had at one point like 12 or 13 houses on the market. I mean, the inventory is really low here in our town. We're in a college town, but in June, usually everyone's putting their house on the market in May, June, July. So there's usually a big kind of spring rush, but when we had no supply lines in there, so, um, but why why is it the case that the housing market that the supply lines are are not there um, i I actually think at every step of the way um, our government has been involved in a significant way in that problem so supply line so so sure supply side is low but but why is it low uh well One of the things that's going on um, this past couple years is our interest rates have been historically, I mean, like crazy low interest rates. And I don't think the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve has indicated that I don't think they're going to touch those interest rates until at least Christmas time. And I think part of the reason why is because they got election season coming up. Democrats got election season coming up in November, and they want to keep those rates low through election season. So come January, you're going to watch interest rates go up, and that's going to cause a lot of problems. So interest rates are historically low, and when your interest rates – right now, the 30-year fixed mortgage is at a little over 3%. Um, This is as of today. Obviously, they can change. And the 15-year mortgage is about 2.3%. Uh, and, of course, those, those can change. So interest rates are is, are crazy low. And the mon- that that creates, in, in some sense, it's not free money, but in some sense it's very cheap money to borrow and to go buy a house. Well, when that money is easy to access and it's someone else's money, that's going to drive housing prices up. And so the government is keeping interest rates at historically low and it's it's, ca- it's causing a real problem in the housing market. It's kind of artificially helping artificially bump up the housing prices um, a little bit. Uh, labor shortage is a, another problem. Uh, so you, got, you guys remember that during the pandemic in, in a lot of states, a lot of liberal states are still doing this, uh, but they're pay, paying unemployment insurance, unemployment to, to, uh, basically incentivize workers to stay home. So, uh, the states are p- paying unemployment insurance. And on top of that, you have the federal government paying unemployment insurance. So the federal government added unemployment insurance benefits on top of the current state's benefits. And the federal government, they don't even check if that person's applying for a job or trying to find a job. That's one of the requirements to be able to participate in unemployment um, insurance programs or unemployment um, uh, with the with the state. And the federal government's adding unemployment benefits to it without no, with no accountability in that process. And so they added money to the state unemployment insurance, to the state unemployment wages, and and they've uh, you know whatever it is, I think is a, I think the federal government was like six hundred additional dollars a month uh, uh, to incentivize workers to stay home. So so states have had a real problem uh, uh, getting people back to work. Um, uh, I want to actually kind of take you back. I have a slide here that's up on your screen to kind of oops to look at this. Uh, so I mentioned earlier a number of existing homes listed for sale has been actually kind of declining since the peak of it in about 2008. Remember, 2008 was the big housing bubble that happened. And so the number of sales are actually down. And then this next slide, I don't have my, my screen up over there, but this next slide is the median sold price of existing homes. Nationwide, the median sell of a price right now is just a little over $320,000. Medium. medium. <laughs> um And so we have this, we have uh, housing um supply side down which is going to also encourage the the price of uh, the house to increase. Okay so back to back to my labor shortage and so unemployment is is has been incentivizing um uh, each state differently some states have o- opted out and stopped and cut off the federal unemployment as of I think our state did that as of like July 1st and and so what that has that's done is that's kept um unemployment rates in each state uh, depending on who's been participating in those, un- who's still participating in those un- unemployment, um, federal unemployment programs, it, uh, um, either high or low, depending if they're participating in those unemployment programs or not. So our state, Idaho, cut the federal unemployment um, program. Uh, I believe, like I said, July first. Well, our, our um, unemployment rate is now about three percent. Um, Nebraska is leading the nation with about two point five percent unemployment and they've cut the federal government unemployment the, the top states where their economy is kind of coming back and unemployment rates are dropping significantly are pretty much all republican states um and even new hampshire um is in, so you got top states nebraska utah new hampshire south dakota idaho um vermont that's probably just because they're so small and a bunch of hippies um alabama kansas montana oklahoma wisconsin georgia and so forth um iowa um so those are the top states with unemployment where the unemployment rates are pretty low, and then you got New Mexico at the bottom at seven point nine percent. California is at seven point seven percent. You got Arizona. Arizona is in there at six point six, but they took a while to open up too. Florida is to give you a good idea. Florida is at five percent uh, unemployment rate, and so you have this 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 economy that's trying to turn around, that's trying to come back, but you don't have. Um, employees you don't have employees that you can hire in that pool and one thing that the unemployment rate does not show the unemployment rate is only trying to capture workers who want to go back to work that's what the unemployment rate is trying to capture it's not going to do a very good job of capturing those who've been off the rolodex for a long time and haven't have kind of given up on seeking and trying to find a job well that's actually been a lot of those um, the, the federal unemployment insurance program is actually incentivizing that and keeping some of these people off the radar that would normally maybe fall under that unemployment rate number. Okay, so interest rates are high, labor shortages are a real problem. We said this on the show. I, I remember um, weeks ago, about a month ago, I pulled into our Sonic, which is our local, you know, local Sonic here in town, and I pulled in one of the bays. I, I didn't go through the drive-through. I pulled in one of the bays, and up on the bay was a, just a piece of paper, a sign. That said, we cannot service the bays because un- um, uh, we don't have enough employees. We can't find labor. We have a labor shortage here in Moscow and in the state, and we couldn't find enough employees to serve that bay. So I had to go through the drive through And I've seen a lot of restaurants in our town who cut their, their, um, hours. They're actually operating hours. A lot of restaurants in town have like, you know, maybe taken a, a Monday off instead uh, or closed for Monday, that kind of thing. So a lot of people are trying to juggle how to get um, and engage employers back at work. Now, the third thing that has driven house prices is materials, a uh, shortage on, on materials and material prices, and I'll talk about that here in a second. So you have material prices. Um, now, interest rates are affected by the government. Labor shortage is affected by the government. But but how are material a material shortage a problem? How is it connected to the government? Well, think about it this last year in 2020, the government told everyone to stay home, to stop, you know, to stop working for weeks on end. And some industries were, you know, labeled unessential, and some industries had to shut down for a month, month and a half. And in, you know, in states like New York and and New Jersey, the the fitness industry had such a hard time fighting the government to be able to open back up. And then, and it related to our material shortage, we're we're very connected to the Canadian. Um, lumber industry, so we get a lot of lumber from Canada, and when you shut down the border or make it very difficult to travel over the border, you add layers to that to that process so material shortages lumber prices soared by as much as three hundred and sixteen percent from the start of two thousand uh, um, and twenty and it 's all caused by the covid pandemic supply chains like they were bottlenecked and it resulted in strong demand for uh, uh, um, and, and and excuse me. And in both, uh, on, on the flip side of that, you had people wanting to build houses, wanting to get out of Washington, wanting to get out of California. I mean, Idaho's been growing significantly here. And so there's been a huge demand for new builds because of they'd sell their house in California and have tons of cash to come to Idaho and buy their own land and, and build. So, so lumber prices have soared as much as 316%. Um, the high price of lumber has added as much as $36,000 to the cost of building a new home. And I think lumber prices peaked, I think in uh May or June. I think they're down a little bit, but they're still very, they're still pretty high. Uh I think it's, you know, forty dollars to buy a sheet of a sheet of wood, forty, fifty dollars. I remember when I was working construction um in Colorado back in um um uh, early two thousands, not gonna give me dates, but back in the early two thousands, a piece of a sheet of plywood was around seven to seven dollars, I think at some point it was six dollars, eight dollars, nine dollars, that kind of thing. It was in that price range. And and now it's over, you know, forty, fifty dollars. I don't know what it is now. I think even some places it got up to sixty. So we've drastically uh the government bottlenecked supply. The government told you to sit home. The government told you not to work and and the government made it very difficult for for, you know, materials to be produced for the manufacturing supply side of lumber to be produced. Now, um, it's, it's striking to me that how we have let the government um, affect, all uh, intrude and affect all these areas, all these arms and levers that have caused the housing market to um, to increase the way it is. And then in addition to this, and this is a real problem, and this is something I'd like to work with my legislators here in the state of Idaho is when a developer goes to build a major development, you know 100 homes or 50 homes or 200 homes or whatever it is, that developer uh, pays taxes on the houses that it builds that he can't sell that that developer can't sell. So he let's say he builds 20 homes, sells 10 of them you know right right away, well, he pays taxes, property taxes on each of those homes that he doesn't sell until they sell. Well, that's a very – it becomes very expensive to have a housing inventory, to actually have inventory. So the government actually disincentivizes inventory, which is also going to jack prices up. So think of it this way. Imagine the government, if they um, taxed, uh, you know, your local grocery store and taxed uh, milk, a carton of milk on the shelf, just sitting there on the shelf weekly, you know, every week they had to pay, the, the grocery store had to pay, you know, 15 cents on the gallon or whatever that week until they sell that, that gallon of milk. Well, what, what's, what's the local grocery store, you know, let's say Safeway, what's, what's Safeway going to do? Well, they're going to hedge their bets and they're going to try to have, keep their inventory as lean as possible on that shelf. Or they're going to create a, a structure, a way for you to order milk so that milk doesn't even sit on their shelves. At all, and so that that's going to make it very difficult to enjoy kind of the, the access that we have to gallons of milk now because it's not taxed on a weekly basis. So that, but that's how the government treats the housing market: is even before that house sells, they tax that builder. Um, you know, uh, uh, monthly that, that that builder they probably you know they could pay quarterly or yearly or whatever, but every month that builder gets a, a, a tax bill for the houses that he has in inventory in his development that he has not sold. And so the government has has made it really – it's it's crazy how the government has disincentivized builders to have inventory on the market. Uh, and, and that really – I think that's actually something that you should work with your legislators on. I'm trying to work with my legislators on here in Idaho. That really needs to change because – um, not having inventory on the market, well, that also is going to drive housing prices up. It's going to increase housing prices. The less inventory you have on the market, but a builder could actually bring housing prices down if he could build more houses at a time, right? Uh, uh, economies of scale, and at the same time, not have to pay taxes for all the houses that he hasn't sold yet. Uh, and so we're we're experiencing. I mean, uh, I mean, the government intrusion into the uh. Uh, housing industry is is really tragic because it, it really does affects the, affect the next generation in a way that it doesn't affect our current generation right now, and so um, you know you kind of think about I've been um, one of the things I've been thinking about the medical industry. We really have this medical industry complex that we're seeing in COVID that is truly bothersome. You have you know basically the government telling you to get vaccine, the government telling uh, you know the military to vaccine and you have all these, all these um, organizations like hospitals are telling their employees to get vaccine because they're filling all the pressure from what the government's doing. But we've let the government get their hands in our healthcare so deep that literally they're jabbing us. Literally they're jabbing and reinforcing people to take a vaccine that has not received full FDA approval. The vaccine that the coronavirus vaccine has not received full FDA approval. And here we are. And so I want to, I want to think through, I want to, you know it's it's good to kind of go through your own industry and kind of look through where's the government got its fingers in. You know what 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 regulations has the government brought into my industry and how can I push back and how can I start um you know creating space to be a, a genuinely free business without all the hooks and pressures of what's going on in the government because what we're dealing with now the housing market, with the medical industry complex and all that stuff what we're dealing now is we've had decades of where we have allowed the government, decades, centuries, uh, you know, 100 years, where we've allowed the government to intrude into these economies. They've been regulating minimum wage in the construction industry. They have unions in the construction industry. They have, you know, um, all the supply, material, labor, interest rates, all those things affect the housing market. I remember uh, growing up in Texas in the 80s. Um, and, you know, I think interest rates in the early 80s were about 13%. Well, that, that that makes it challenging to buy a house. But also housing prices were a lot lower. And and as the government has chipped away and, and lowered interest rates through all this, well, housing prices artificially go up. You know, the cost of a sheet of plywood has gone up to 50 bucks a sheet of plywood. What Has there been any new value introduced in that sheet of plywood from last year? You know, last year it was $20 or, uh, you know, $15 for a sheet of plywood. Now it's 40, 50. Has there been any new technology, any new value put in that sheet of plywood to make that price go up and to make that sheet of plywood become more valuable? Not one bit. It, what has it, interest rates have affected it. Supply chains have affected it. Labor shortages have checked it, have, have um, increased all that pricing. There's been no added value to that sheet of plywood. And so this got me thinking about um, kind of, you know, we as Christians need to, you know, look through your technology industry, look through your, you know, whatever industry you're in or working in, run an assessment of where you can maybe start working with your legislators or start working as a company to push back and to create space. But we really do. This is, you know, we've talked a lot about cancel culture, but this is kind of a, um, this is kind of a cancel culture. It's a prohibitive culture culture that's going on with the government intruding into our businesses. And Christians need to be very thoughtful and proactive, I think, about how we need to be building kind of a Christian economy nationally. Uh, we need to be figuring out, okay, where's our Christian bank to work with? This is why I like dime payments that I that I that I keep telling you guys to work with. Dimepayments.com forward slash FLF. I, I like companies like that because I know they have my back. I know that they've I mean I've had talks with the with the Company CEO, have had talks with, the, with the, the company leadership over there, and they're, they're saying, you know, they said we, we're a Christian company. We aren't going to cancel you. And and so we need to create nationwide, I think, a Christian economy because when um, big tech comes after you and says, well, you know, we're going to cancel you, we're going to kick you off your platforms, well, I know where I can go. I know where my community's at. Uh, I had a buddy who was high up over at T-Mobile, um, and no one knew he was a Christian And and he said and he said you know it's not like I've you know um, acted like a pagan here I I I I live as a Christian in the company but no one really knows that I'm a Christian and if they did then I probably wouldn't have gotten as high up as I I am now at T-Mobile he's not there anymore but uh, but he he was super nervous to even communicate to his colleagues that he's a Christian and he knew if he did he would not get where he was at with T-Mobile and i want to be able to create the scenario where it's like dude we got a christian cell phone company over here you're a fantastic um you know manager come over here and let's build let's build what we have over here and i think that's how we need to be thinking nationwide i want to find a christian bank i want to find you know my christian payment processing company like dime i want to find you know our christian you know christian lawyer association christian you know media association christian you know medical you know doctor association all those things i want to i want to figure out where my people are in these coming years because um you know regularly i get emails regularly every week saying hey my employer is now forcing me to wear a mask um i won't get vaccinated so they have they require me to wear a mask uh everywhere at work so everyone knows i'm not vaccinated or uh, my employers uh, saying, I just got to work home until, I, until um, I get vaccinated. You know, whatever the, or uh, we've had friends who had employers require them to put, or want them to put their personal pronouns in their email. I mean, it's just insanity. What corporate culture is doing, what co- corporate business, business culture is doing. It's, it's making it really difficult for Christians to live um, and work based on their conscience. And so we need to kind. I, this is like Christians need to get the entrepreneurial mind, mindset. Uh, these next coming years, start their own businesses, create an anti-fragile uh, companies, um, connect and partner and build relationships with other companies that they can contract with that they won't uh, ca- that they won't be canceled by. And we need to build our own Christian economy. And it's not like it's not that we don't say, you know, hey, non-Christians, you can work with us. Non Christians, it's fine. Work with us, absolutely. We're going to give you water. We're going to give you food. We're going to give you you know our products and services. Um, But I think we need to be very very intentional of how we're building in these coming years Um, because it it it's coming. Cancel culture is coming, and it and it almost I almost feel like I'm talking a little too conspiratorial, but the reality is, um, uh, cancel culture has really been happening. Uh, You know. you know, banks have really canceled President Trump. Uh, banks have really canceled Christian companies. Uh, the cake baker, the um, you know Babylon Bee and Melchimp. I mean, it really is happening, and I think we need to start making the um, uh, plans that we need to be kind of anti-fragile, be faithful, and to be able to um, you know provide for ourselves as this cancel culture gets uh, ramps up more and more. So I, I hope, you know, kind of giving you guys kind of an example through um, the, uh, the housing market and where the government is attached itself pretty much at every layer and uh, is, I, I think, a good exercise to kind of do through your own industries and in your state and meet with your local legislators. You know, meet with your local legislators after you kind of do that analysis, after you kind of do that, um, you know, exercise, that homework exercise, go and meet with your legislators and come up with a game plan on how to kind of push back. So... With that said, hey, y'all, thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, don't forget to catch the Sunday special. Uh, Bruce, good to be with you guys. My mom's there, Penny. Cooper, good to be with you guys. Betty, good to be with you guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in over here on on YouTube. Uh, make sure you guys tune in to our Sunday special because our Sunday special is going to have Dr. J. If you guys remember Dr. J from Stanford, we've had him on the show multiple times. Uh, But he is going to come in and we're going to talk about the coronavirus, the Delta variant, masking, all the silly stuff that's been going on and hopefully give you guys some good um, truths to hang your hat on as you guys go out into the world. So uh, until next time, go fight, laugh and feast and love God.
1: See you later. Cancel culture is real. Cross politic is on the front lines of this battle with the goal of creating a Christian television network and platform where we can't be canceled and where content creators will have the freedom to glorify God. Our goal is to create a space for like-minded businesses to thrive on this platform and to reach an audience that will not only buy your products and services but also support your business when the heat of cancel culture comes your way. We want our platform to help you create an anti-fragile business as we bring together Christians from all over the world to tune in. With millions of downloads a year, access to DirecTV, Xfinity, and social media outlets, we are excited to partner with you. So, if you own a business and believe in this vision, then you need to call me. I'm Garrison Hardy, and I am the business development rep at Cross Politic and the Fight Laugh Feast Network. We are looking for businesses, large or small, that not only have great products and services, but also understand that the cultural battle that is impacting the business climate here and now. I have a background in marketing, and I'd love to help you advertise your business on Cross Politics. Give me a call at 208-792-1290 or email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com.